live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. It's Thursday, and uh, man, a bunch of things are happening that are very, very interesting, right? While we were all consumed with watching what was going on with the DA in New York City, uh, it seems things seem to be getting worse and worse on the foreign policy front. And interesting story that I saw in, uh, on Newsmax. Newsmax.com. Uh, Bill Clinton issues a mea culpa on the Ukraine giving up nukes. Now, this is interesting because what they're talking about is, um, I think it's called the, the Budapest Memorandum of Security Assurances, if, if I'm correct in, in uh, quoting that. And that is where the, the United States um, pressured President Clinton's administration, pressured Ukraine to give up nukes, which they said, no, 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 we're going to hold on to our nukes because we have to protect ourselves against the big bad wolf, Russia. And, they, and you know, the United States again, no, no, you don't have to do that. We, we will protect you. We will protect you as long as you give up the nukes. We're trying to have less nukes. Let's, uh, let's do it. And again, I'm oversimplifying here, but that's the gist of it. And voila, here we are today. You have a Ukraine with no, with no nukes and an invasion on their hands. Why? Because Russia said, hey, what are you going to do? I've got, I've got nukes. They don't. I've got a bigger army. They do. Blah, 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 blah. And, and they've proven themselves to be quite the, the warriors. But interesting that Clinton uh, brought this up, this whole I'm very sorry. And I think that's interesting because it, it – let me see how to phrase this right. I don't want to say, it, you know, it speaks to his character or anything like that. I think he doesn't have to say anything, right? He's a former president. He's old. He's, he's out of the limelight for most part. They only bring him out for, you know, you know, the wine and cheese to raise some money or for, you know, a new book or something like that. But for the most part, he doesn't have to do any of this. But he says that um, that this is this is a mistake. And I have to say... <clears throat> It was a huge mistake, and I'm glad that he's admitting that it's, it's a big mistake because without that admission, I mean, it doesn't change the, what, like they say, it doesn't change the price of coffee in Brazil, but, but it, to me it says, you know what, there's still the aspiration. Someone could still say, you know what, I want to be that kind of guy, the kind of guy that fools around in the White House but still can admit a mistake, uh, unlike Joe Biden, who may not be fooling around in the White House, but man, this guy won't ever admit a mistake. And if you compare the Clinton economy with the Biden economy, I think everybody knows which one they're going to choose. So it's just very interesting to me. And um, Clinton, and I don't know if we have this audio of Clinton. I know we have it. I just don't know if we have it queued up just yet. Uh, cut number six. But if, if it is available, you let me know. If not, I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. Because it was interesting. Former President Clinton on a on a program called RTE's Prime Time, uh, I think this is a podcast, a, a radio program that he was on on Tuesday. Listen to this. Well, I knew that President Putin 
did not support the agreement President Yeltsin made never to interfere with Ukraine's territorial boundaries because he wanted Ukraine to give up their nuclear weapons. President Putin broke it and first took Crimea. And uh, I feel terrible about it because Ukraine is a very important country and I feel a personal stake because I got them to agree to give up their nuclear weapons and none of them believe that Russia would have pulled this stunt if Ukraine still had their weapons. All right, so that's as close to uh, an apology, I think, as we are, are going to get. I fe- And I feel a personal stake because I got them to agree to give up their nuclear weapons and none of them believe that Russia would have pulled this stunt if Ukraine still had their weapons. I have to agree with... Uh, um, President Clinton, because, shoot, an armed society is a polite society, right? You've heard me say that. I'll say it all the time. Uh, an armed Ukraine is going to be a polite Ukraine. Or in their case, an armed Ukraine was a polite Russia. And uh, you could have protected yourself from Crimea. You could have protected yourself from lots of different um, incursions now that, that have happened. Not just Ukraine, but there, you know, there was Belarus. Again, Ukraine's nukes had nothing to do with Belarus. But we've seen using Belarus as an example, how Russia is kind of hand in glove there. It's still the iron fist of Putin operating there. So that's that one. We're going to continue uh, the discussion on the foreign policy front uh, throughout the evening because I want to get back into that. But I just wanted you to hear that in a little bit of a tease, and then uh, we'll, we'll bring it into the, uh, the panel of guests that we have a little bit later. But I also wanted to um, bring your attention to a story that's come out today uh, from James Comer's uh, chairman of the Oversight Committee in Congress, and uh, he's asking, how can county attorneys, uh, district attorneys, prosecutors, how can they go after the Bidens? Now, there was a caller on this program that called in several months ago and said, I think that local prosecutors should go after the Bidens, Hunter in particular. And my response to him at the time uh, was, well, we don't want to necessarily cast ourselves as the people that politicize these types of investigations and start trying to throw our weight around to get people to do that. If there was an infraction at the county level and they can get involved in that, go right ahead. And the reason I said it was because of exactly what Alvin Bragg was trying or considering doing to Donald Trump at the time and, and his predecessor before him, Cy Vance. Uh, lo and behold, Bragg now brings a case. So the precedent has been set. Right. So I think this is very important because I don't think anybody should walk down the street punching other people in the face. But once you're attacked, by all means, punch away. Right. If they punch you once, punch them back three times. It doesn't have to be equal. I think you can respond with uh, with escalated force. So I think that's what we see now. Right. I think everybody say, hey, look, we're going to play by the rules here. We're going to behave just like we're supposed to behave. We're all going to be gentlemen here if one could use that word. But once they decided to throw that first stone, well, heck, this is a throne-stowing match. I mean, a stone-throwing match. I said that wrong. And it seems like we're having this uh, stone-throwing match in a glass house. So that's why I think it's not good to always be the one that's uh, the the catalyst for this type of thing, right? Otherwise, uh, then really, who is the good guy, right? Who's really above any type of reproach if you don't, if, if you're just willing to, to do what the Democrats do, just do it first, then there's no difference, in my opinion, right? I think you have to, it's, to me, it's just common sense, common decency, common, 
um, the common reality of life. You can't just go around doing those types of things. I think you got to wait till something happens and then you can retaliate. And um, I guess that makes me spineless, right? A spineless rhino, because that's what I was called in this uh, critique that I got <laughs> on Facebook, I believe. I don't think it's that I'm a spineless rhino. I think you, you can take action like Trump and you can throw bombs and you can go after people and you can get in front of an issue. Uh, but what you can't do is do what the Democrats do to weaponize and politicize your opponents. That's wrong. Anyway, more to come straight ahead. We're going to bring in General Blaine Holt. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. When President Trump took office, uh, there was more than 10,000 uh, American troops in Afghanistan. He took it down to 2,500. Um, he uh, negotiated the release of 5,000 Taliban prisoners uh, that were being held by the Ghani government uh, uh, without consultation with the Ghani government. He negotiated the Doha agreement with the Taliban without the Ghani, Ghani government uh, in the room. Um, and he all but froze the special immigrant visa program. All right, that is uh, John Kirby in the White House. I believe some call him Admiral John Kirby. And um, he talks a good game, but I don't know if it's good enough for me. Welcome back. It's Rich Valdez, and uh, we have our guest with us. One of my favorite guests, Air Force uh, Brigadier General, retired. He was the deputy NATO representative from the United States, uh, C-17 commander, tech entrepreneur, senior Newsmax contributor, and co-founder of Restore Liberty, Brigadier General Blaine Holt. Welcome, sir. Rich, it's great to be with you. Thanks for having me on tonight. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. Listen, I never take it for granted when people stay up to be on the radio late night. I don't know what part of the country you're in, but it's still late no matter where you are. <laughs> and it's definitely <laughs> I'm in Idaho. Dinner. It's perfect. All right. Perfect. There, yeah, that works for me. That's good to know. So let's uh, let's dig in. I want to go over a few things with you tonight uh, because th there's plenty to deal with. But we've got Kirby here. And um, I take away from this that he's saying, well, you know, it's really not our fault. You know, we didn't screw things up in Afghanistan. This was really Trump's fault. What do you make of that? Yeah. I can only imagine what Admiral John Kirby had running through his mind when he saw the talking points that the administration wanted to ferret through him on what would be our greatest military defeat, I would argue, in our history. Um, it, it is um, unconscionable that rather than this national security team taking some accountability, examining who they are and how many need to keep their seats and what happened, um, rather than doing that, they throw it on the backs of, a, of, of an administration eight months gone that, there was, um, that, that they're going to claim that they had no control. They just had to do whatever the previous administration had set up and that's just ridiculous. It's a fluid, dynamic situation. The Taliban was not playing ball with the agreement. And therefore, you just simply say, well, then we won't be leaving. 
And you certainly don't leave under the circumstances that we did. You don't give up the world's most important air base, and you don't give away all that equipment or our friends or our citizens. Yeah, and, and I think we've, you know, we've litigated this in the court of public opinion a million times, but it just it, it doesn't cease to amaze me how they, they don't get tired of, of just sticking to the company lines. No, 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 Trump's fault. Trump's fault. <laughs> you know, you had this, this valiant guy. Um, I wish there were more of him. Um, Stuart Scheller, right, Lieutenant Colonel Marine Corps, who was one of the very few people that said, this is ridiculous. And, you know, he criticized the brass and, you know, they, they did all sorts of things to him. But, um, you know, I, I would have um, not expected, but I really hope that there would have been more of that. Because I think when you have more of that kind of backlash, and again, it's very uncommon in the military to have people, you know, do that type of thing and go against their, their uh, command. But it, it was um, refreshing to me to say, oh, wow, thank God somebody's, you know, making some sense here. And I find it so um, in poor taste that the Biden administration would go ahead and, and, and just even today not look back and, and, you know, make amends on this. Even Bill Clinton, you know, switching gears a little bit to Ukraine, um, he was just asked in an interview about what he thought about Ukraine. And guess what? He says, yeah, uh, he took a personal stake in it. I took that as an apology, a regret, mea culpa, right? He's saying, my bad, if we wouldn't have disarmed Ukraine, they, Putin would have done this and we wouldn't have had this war. Um, to me, whether you like Clinton or don't like Clinton, I think I have to respect what he said, no? Yeah, no, I, I think that's right. I think that um, a, a reflection of that type in his very senior years is is helpful. Um, and almost I, I, where I go to on that is, you know, I wonder if the president, President Clinton, is looking at what he sees playing out right now with this administration and and it almost it almost commands that he show a little humility, a little gentility with some of his own decisions back then, because nobody in this administration is willing to take accountability for anything. And if anything, um, they need to be held accountable. This group, they have gotten every single foreign policy decision not only wrong, but but in a way that imperils our nation and. And uh, and that that actually rings true through senior military leadership. We talk about Stu Scheller. He's the only one who really got any grief at all for the, the debacle in Afghanistan. But this is the same exact team as we sit here and talk about concepts of World War Three, nuclear powers, China taking over the dollar, um, all of our allies ditching and cutting and running, Japan being the most recent. Uh, this is this is just awful. And what we have to do now as a nation, we have to demand accountability. We have to demand that, you know what, your answers and your credibility are no good. They don't sell here. These are all whoppers. And uh, we all can see it. <laughs> and so you really should now come clean because we have to actually um, start to remove some of the elements of this national security team. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. And and I just, and I, I liked your... Um... Your, your statement that, you know, let's not give Clinton, it, how I took it as, let's not give him too much credit. If he's, if he's making this reflection, it's because he's seeing how badly things are going now and thinking, man, I played a part in this and maybe I could have done things better. And uh, I, I'm trying to be as generous as I can with him and with all of them, honestly, um, because I really want to see America do better. I don't want to, right. you just said they, they made decisions that imperiled our nation. Again, I think that was fair. Um, in my head, I hear they're making decisions that benefit China almost in every instance. And, and this is yeah. a, a concern for me to the point where I think, you know, 
It's like the old saying, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they are not to get you. Uh, I, I, I start to think I, I'm maybe I'm paranoid. Like, am I really sipping this Kool-Aid that Biden is a foreign agent? Like they said, Trump was a Russian agent uh, because, I mean, I don't see how Trump positioned Russia in any way to help them. Uh, to do with this incursion that they're doing. Uh, but I do see many instances where Biden has helped China, including Afghanistan. And it's just, I can't get over that hump. So I'm, I'm just hopeful that we can get past this very quickly. Now, speaking of China, uh, I want to pivot to that. We have about a minute and a half left in this segment, uh, but we'll continue into the next segment, which is uh, Kevin McCarthy. I think a lot of people give him a lot of grief and always have. And um, maybe a little less so now that he's speaker. But I, I think he uh, did the right thing. And he said, you know, here's a uh, political middle finger to everybody, starting with Biden and then with China and saying, no, I'm going to meet with President Tsai. And, you know, maybe I won't do it in Washington. I'll do it in my home state at the Reagan li Library, but I'm going to do it nonetheless. And uh, I appreciated what he did. What's your uh, initial reaction to that? You know what? I'm really proud of our speaker. I, I... <laughs> I'm very fair. I'm I'm very tough on both sides of the aisle, and um, and I have venom sometimes for both squads. Mm -hmm. But what I will say is, our speaker stood up, and he's actually practicing what we call diplomacy in the face of threats. And it's refreshing to see someone reach out to a freedom-loving head of state, and I will use that term, even though we're not supposed to. And uh, watching China go bananas as, 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 and, and then the administration silent. What a contrast. Yeah. Out of control. I think the whole thing is out of control that they're trying to, um, to now impose some sort of threat uh, of, of whatever, you know, whether it's uh, sanctions or anything else saying that they, um, they're going to make sure that, you know, we pay the price and whatnot because of, of having this right. meeting. So I want to pull on that thread a little bit as we uh, continue forward. I also want to just kind of put it out there to uh, talk about, you know, how we could start to retaliate um, with on that, on that front. I also wanted to uh, take a moment and let everybody know how they can keep up with what you're doing. I know you've got columns on Newsmax, but what are the, what's the best website for people to find out about the work that you're doing? You know, I, there's two places people always meet up with me. It's at restore-liberty.org and then at the irascible disruptor at Newsmax. And, uh, and I love writing and I love uh, talking about liberty and, and that's where you can find me. Perfect. Check him out there at restore-liberty.org or the irrational, dis the irrational Disruptor. I will be right back with General Blaine Holt. Don't go anywhere. It's America at Night with me, Rich Valdez. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen.
Thank you, Rich, and thank you for everything. I know you very well, and I have I listen, but I have a lot of people that listen, and they love your show, and I appreciate it very much. America at Night with Rich Valdez. Do you worry that meeting with President Tsai in the United States is going to further escalate the tensions? No, it shouldn't by any means. I mean, I, I would sit down with President Xi. Macron is sitting down with President Xi. What I think would foster a worse situation is a lack of communication. What, what China should look at today is that Republicans and Democrats are united. What we're looking at today is making sure the rhetoric doesn't get higher. That we're looking at how can we deter that war does not happen, right? Peace through strength. So there's actions we can take looking back what happened in Ukraine so five years from now, we're not in the same place that Ukraine is, is today. And the democracy is fostered greater and strength and freedom. All right. That is Speaker Kevin McCarthy. And uh, I agree with what he's saying. Our guest, General Blaine Holt. General, what do you make of what McCarthy's saying? You know, he's absolutely correct. He, people have to get together. Communication has to occur. And where we where we see this is not happening is out of the administration. So we don't engage China when they try to throw a balloon over our country. Instead, what we do is we welcome the balloon. We say it's just a weather thing and we let it gather up all the nuclear enterprise knowledge it can get. We we don't we we have a, a China Ukraine peace plan. It's it's bogus, but it's out there. There's a Russia peace plan. There's a French peace plan. Um, where's the United States peace plan? When exactly. will the kids, when will the kids at, at the State Department, also known as Foggy Bottom, actually pick up their diplomatic uh, bags and go out and uh, start doing some of that? Because what we have is a militarized uh, foreign policy, and it, I don't think it serves us. I applaud uh, Speaker McCarthy for saying, "Listen, we're going to have to engage in the world, and if the administration won't do it, then I will." Now, when you say we have this this um, militarized foreign policy or militarized diplomacy, um, elaborate on that, because I feel like Joe Biden doesn't take action on, on anything, whether it's militarily oh, well. <laughs> or, or otherwise. It, well, he certainly doesn't have any problem sending unaccountable, unauditable uh, billions, over $100 billion uh, to the Ukraine effort. Mm. And we here at home don't get to look at the strategy. We don't get to review what is the end goal, what's the end game. We don't get to see where the money's going. Um, and what we also get to see is, is that weapons upon weapons upon weapons are piled into Ukraine to fight a World War I-style war that we did not order those weapons for that role. So if I was going to go fight World War One, well, I, I would have... I would have made a million howitzer rounds, um, but I didn't. I made just a few howitzer rounds because I know that I've got dominant air power to combine. That's what we call combined arms with all those things. Um, but we're, we're not doing that. We're giving them weapons in a way that does, is not consistent with how warfare is fought today. And so what we've created is we've recreated 1918. There's your trenches. There's your artillery. And now we're seeing nothing but uh, butchery on the battlefield. And no decisive uh, air power, no decisive weaponry being employed. Um, so that's what I call a militarized foreign policy. And what we don't see is anybody saying, hey, without conditions, let's get to a table and start talking about where we got to. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Now, I want to 
get your your take on on the rhetoric coming out of Beijing, right? Because because McCarthy sure. meets with uh, President Tsai, um, one of the quotes coming out of them is uh, "wrong and." Actually, let me back up. It's we're on a wrong and dangerous road, the United States. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, and of course, I they they throw bombs every now and again, and I get that. But I feel like if you want to throw heavy rhetoric like when Trump is president, I, I know it's not going to go that far because I feel like there was either uh, a a respect for Trump or a let's uh, let's overestimate this guy because it's safer to do so, right? Whichever right. position they took, I was okay with. I, I think they knew, sure. let's not get too crazy here. You never know. Uh, I don't, I think they know with Biden, right? <laughs> they totally know. Yeah, we know exactly. Well, He's super predictable. No, they, they absolutely do. And, you know, it's it's going to be for some future court somewhere down the line to decide what the level of uh, co-opting and compromise is with the Biden um, business dealings. But what we can say is the the Chinese have an awfully good assessment of this administration's weakness, the foreign policy team's weakness, and and Rich, it emboldens them. And so yeah. there's a confidence on the world stage as they try to pull together the BRICS countries and align other countries that typically were our allies against the United States. Uh, they're making and here's the thing that not a lot of people really understand. Xi Jinping's China is in ruins. It is there. There's no container uh, uh, filled with Chinese stuff leaving the container yards. They're not exporting. They're not manufacturing. They can't feed themselves. Their real estate is falling apart. They uh, are killing people hand over fist because of uh, viruses all over the place. And they may be facing a revolt on their own. So what does the CCP do to survive? They foment conflict on the world stage and they activate their belt and road initiative to go mm-hmm. after this BRICS concept to to go ahead and suck up other countries resources to save their skins ccp only has one mission and that is survival of the ccp it's not even the, the survival of the chinese people and yet we find uh institutions like the world economic forum and klaus schwab saying well that's the model we want to follow that's what we need next let's let's bring on central bank digital currency and control people uh, through their cell phones and, and not have liberties. And and honestly, you know what? The, here in America, we're on to them. <laughs> everybody everybody understands what's going on, and uh, they can feel they're very clever and that, that they're very intellectual, but, but everybody can see what, what is going on, and, and they're, they're very, very upset about it. You know, I think this is a, a very good point, because if you look back historically, um, this is kind of what, what um, Castro did in Cuba, right? He used Cuban resources, and then we didn't have any more. He got in bed with Russia and used all of those resources. And when they said, all right, there's nothing left for you, then he got into bed with Venezuela and milked those resources. <laughs> and and uh, it's interesting that you're saying that because China seems to be doing the same exact thing right now, uh, which is uh, an interesting look at things. Um, now, I wanted to go back with a little bit to to talking about the do you think this is just uh, paper tiger rhetoric or is there something behind it? Are they, they? It seems like they're gearing up to for a strike on on Taiwan. Is it is it just talk? You know, a lot of there's a lot being made about Taiwan. We can never discount the risks of China feeling that it's in its best interest to then go after Taiwan. Here's what counters that: the PLA 
just saw what happened with this stalemate in uh, Ukraine, Russia, and they saw how Western weaponry and um, uh, just tore right through uh, the Russian armies, which, by the way, are set up almost identical to the way that the Chinese fight. The Chinese do not have a good command and control structure, and the PLA generals know it. So are they really after Taiwan, or are they threatening Taiwan but going after something bigger? I would argue that their war against the United States has been underway for quite some time. It's a hybrid war. Um, It involves things like balloons, fentanyl, espionage networks, corruption, honeypot situations uh, where a congressman might be sleeping with a spy. Um, It can involve (laughs) all those ribbons and layers. Yeah, that's right. Operation Fang Fang. And so um, China's been at us for a while. Um, If everybody focuses on Taiwan, what they're probably not focusing on is that China's about to make a move on making a multinational currency replace the United States dollar and the petrodollar. Now, that may that if that happens, everybody better understand our economics in this country will be vastly different. We have fiat currency, not gold-backed currency, and we will not be printing our way out of any more problems anytime soon. And maybe that that long term is a good thing, but short term that will be pain like hasn't been felt since 1929. Yeah, that was where I wanted to go next. I really want to. Uh, tug on that thread, because to me, this is um, an idea that I mean, I've seen the cover of The Economist back in 1980, I think it was, or 88, when they were talking about, you know, getting rid of the dollar. And it's been a fantasy since then. And I'm sure there was a bunch of people wishing and, you know, wringing their hands waiting for this moment. But it seems like we're really close. At least it feels that way to me. So I want to discuss that a little bit further when we come back. Folks, we're on with General Blaine Holt. You know him from Newsmax. Uh, retired Air Force General and uh, United States Deputy Representative to NATO, retired. He's with us uh, for a little bit longer. So if you want to give us a call, feel free, 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, our guest, uh, Brigadier General Blaine Holt. You know him from Newsmax, and he's uh, all over the place. The guy's terrific, and he's with us right now. General, we were talking about the war that China has waged on the United States and, uh, in your estimation, is well underway through espionage and, and honeypots and uh, in addition to the honey trap, we're talking about this this uh, attack on the United States currency being the world reserve currency, uh, working with the BRICS consortium. Tell us more about it. Yeah, so the, the Chinese have – the CCP um, is basically trying to replicate right now what they had under Mao Zedong, which was absolute domination and control of their own country. That means wiping out the, the billionaires, wiping out the technology sector, wiping out commerce, uh, really going back to the China we saw in 1978. But, but there's a difference. And the difference is they have many years ago embarked on this paid, payday loan scam called the Belt and Road Initiative, where they get countries 
from, you know, China all the way into the deep parts of Africa soaked up into these infrastructure programs and getting them on the hook for Chinese cash. Well, the whole point is that swath create the stage that we see today, which is let's get Iran and Saudi into a reproachment. Let's bring in the rest of the countries that have this animosity towards the United States into a consortium with Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. And although they have differences, let's build a monetary union backed in gold, which they've been buying like gangbusters for uh, years now. Um, And then let's eventually upend the U.S. dollar. Now, you would think, well, that's a CCP-led diabolical plan. What a lot of people don't understand is, hold on, (laughs) Western leaders are complicit. This thing Mm. called the World Economic Forum is in league with the CCP, and many of those members are heads of state in Europe and in our own nation and the think tankocracy and all of that stuff. Uh, the bankers, they're, they're all together. <laughs> and, and a lot of people can't get their arms around that. They like to think it's, oh, this is an East-West thing. No, it's not. Uh, this is a, a domination strategy. We are going to control people through their money, and, and the West is going to uh, start getting used to that idea as China then disrupts the rest of us from what was the world order before. And our weakness is helping them. Yeah, it, this I believe is um, getting. We're getting. I, we've heard it, and we've heard it, we've heard it, and I, I typically write it off. But I feel like we've gotten so much closer to it with the the deal that they just cut with Brazil. Um, I don't know, was it last week? Where it, yep. it seems like, at least on paper, uh, we're getting closer and closer. Do you think again that's more more smoke to uh, attract more people to to this? deal to this this uh union that they're creating or um it's actually a a legit deal where they might overthrow the petrodollar no this is this is real traction this is what they wanted at least china got what they wanted out of the deal now um brazil with lula do do they stand by their deals are they going to be the bastion of integrity i i don't know they'll blow whichever way the wind blows but in general terms when we start to look at the very dangerous proposition that China has now stepped into a power vacuum in the Middle East and brought Iran and Saudi together, brought Saudi and Syria together, Turkey and Syria together. You've got a very isolated Israel, and you've got a a big threat to the petrodollar. And and honestly, this is this is and and then look at these foolhardy, ill thought out sanctions against the Russians that the European Union can't sustain. They're cheating on their oil sanctions. They're buying diesel from Saudi, which really was imported from Russia. And and now you have yesterday the development that Japan uh, was just given uh, a so-called exception so that they could buy Russian gas at market. Um, the whole thing is a house of cards. And this fool's errand of dealing with the Russian-Ukraine conflict in this manner um, only imperils us more, only makes the argument for China that the time of the dollar is up. That's horrible. Uh, I don't like it. And I feel like there's so many things that they've been working on for decades upon decades upon decades, and they all seem to be coming to fruition right now. And I can't help but think it's all happening under Biden because he's somehow either blissfully uh, and unwittingly complicit or otherwise. 
Anyway, let's uh, hit the phones real quick. We've got a call from the Manila from Manila in the Philippines. Uh, our buddy Gil. Gil, very quickly, you're on with General Blaine Holt. Yes, uh, Rich and uh, General. Uh, I'm living kind of right in the middle of all this, uh, living in the Philippines. I guess you know that this country has given access to five new military facilities to the U.S. military, uh, getting them within a few hundred miles of uh, mainland China. Um, uh, uh, that's uh, one thing. And uh, the other is uh, when Nancy Pelosi uh, visited uh, Taiwan last year and uh, Mr. Xi Jinping announced what he was going to do, one of those things was turn a blind eye to Sentinel going to the United States. And I considered that an act of war. That's chemical warfare upon our country. And uh, I'd like your opinion on that. Thank you, Gil. Yeah, General? So, Gil, I agree with you completely. Um, the, the Chinese act of war against our country and their alliance with the Mexican drug cartels to put fentanyl into our country, fentanyl is not meant to addict people. It's meant to kill people, and it does so at over 100,000 per year. And yet nobody's raising a finger about what's going on at the border. At the same time, you're sitting in Manila. I think it's great that we're going to start re-signing some of these bases as we've done in the past. Does that militarily make everybody more secure? No, but it does assure our allies that we are there. And and what I would call this, Gil, is like the, the small spark or the ember of hope. All right, General, let's pause right there. Thank you, Gil. We'll be right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. It's Rich Valdez, and we're here with General Blaine Holt. You know him uh, from Newsmax. He's a Newsmax contributor, senior contributor there. Uh, He's also um, uh, a frequent guest on our program, and we love to have him. He's also a uh, retired United States Air Force Brigadier General, uh, as well as the former uh, U.S. representative to NATO, deputy representative, and uh, he's all around great guy. He also co-founded something called Restore Liberty, and I wanted to tell us about that very quickly and let us know how we could learn more about it, General. I will, and thank you so much for having me. So, Restore Liberty is <clears throat> two veterans <laughs> in very short order after the 2020 elections uh, building a national organization on less than fifty thousand dollars, and we are everywhere. Uh, promoting our Constitution, promoting liberty. It's not a blue thing, not a red thing. This is for Republicans and Democrats. And what we're doing is bringing our nation, pushing our nation back to first principles. Uh, we, we, we support candidates. We support education on our Constitution, what it means to uh, uh, peacefully protect your liberties. And that's what we're about. And the website is restore-liberty.org restore-liberty.org. General Blaine Holt, thank you so much for being with us. I hope to stay up late again soon and join us again. Absolutely. Thank you, Rich. You bet. Take care. God bless. 
And uh, straight ahead, we're going to continue and talk about military fitness with a retired Navy SEAL. Don't go anywhere. It's America at Night with me, Rich Valdez. From the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program. Featuring interesting guests from around the world. And calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, by the way, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And I want to welcome you to the program. If you want to join us, give us a call, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And that's Valdez with an S, same way on social media, if you want to chime in that way, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media platforms. And in Colorado, there's some breaking news that a manifesto revealed that a trans person's plans to carry out multiple school shootings was foiled. The 18th uh, Judicial District Attorney's Office has charged a former student of District 20, 19-year-old William Whitworth, with the attempted murder uh, uh, because he allegedly planned attacks on three three Colorado Springs schools. Excuse me. Uh, Whitworth identifies as female and goes by the name Lily. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. Now, speaking of shooters and what's going on in Tennessee, two of the three Democrat lawmakers uh, that attended the gun protest where they just bum-rushed the uh, statehouse there in Tennessee, uh, they've been ousted uh, from their positions. Um, I'll get into that a little bit more uh, at the open phone hour. Then the Biden White House has released their report on the withdrawal of of Afghanistan, and the result was it was Trump's fault. We just discussed that with General Holt. And, of course, there's another interesting headline here, Yahoo News. The Air Force to allow more body fat. And I'm thinking, is this my shot? This is where I joined the Air Force? Anyway, um, we have a guest that's going to help us understand this a little bit better. Uh, William Branham is a highly decorated Navy SEAL veteran who served in the United States military for 26 years. Uh, During his career, he honed his leadership skills, cultivated a strong mindset, and he's gained invaluable experience in high-pressure situations, and he's here with us today. Sir, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me on here. I'm pretty stoked to be here. Awesome. we're, We're looking forward to a great conversation with you as well. Uh, because while I make light of it saying, is this my shot to join, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I also think um, probably not the best thing in the world, right, to start allowing people uh, who are not meeting the traditional fis- fitness standards to join the military. And I'm guessing that this is becoming more lax because we've had so much trouble recruiting people. Is that right? I, that that's what I understand. And, and I would argue that the Air Force is going the wrong direction. If you're lowering the standards, I mean, just think about it like this. If you want to be if you want some something on your resume that you're proud of, like a a, a an, an org, be, work to work for an organization that is very exclusive, very hard to get in. I mean, 
You could think of uh, Apple or Google or Goldman Sachs or Deloitte or some organization like that, where it's very mm-hmm. difficult to get into the get in the door. Like the, the standards to get in are very high. And when you leave that job and you go to the next job, that's something you want to put on your resume. I can't imagine wanting to put on my resume. I joined an organization where they let me in because I, you know, I couldn't take care of myself. I let my own standards go. And so they reduced their standards in order for me to get in. That just doesn't, that just doesn't sit well with me. During your time in the military, did you ever see uh, standards become relaxed because there was a problem with recruitment? Um, I have seen, you know, even in the SEAL teams, we lowered the, the minimum standard to get in. But the difference there, I think they, they required less pull-ups. But the, the, the difference there is there were so many people coming in to, to try and become a Navy SEAL. They wanted to get more people in because they thought maybe they could produce more SEALs at more the end seals. of the day. And, right. and what, they, what they found is that actually doesn't work. When you, when you lower the standard, um, you just get a subpar applicant. And so it's better to raise the standard. Therefore, you get a higher quality applicant in the door, and then you can uh, produce a higher quality uh, result on the back end. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, according to the piece uh, on military.com and uh, shared on Yahoo News, it says male recruits are now allowed to have up to 26% body fat and women are allowed 36%. Uh, This is um, up from previous requirements that were 20% for men and 28% for women. Uh, What type of impact do you think this change in body fat would have? I think, again, you're going to have a lower quality uh, applicant coming into the military. It's, it's, you know, the military is not a very good business. If the military was a business, they would be bankrupt a hundred years ago. But, and we don't plan that well. We fight wars really, really well, but we don't plan that well. We don't plan on what we're doing. If the, if the air force or the military in general saw a decline in, um, in, in recruitment, they shouldn't be lowering the standard. They should focus on what they can provide, just like any other business. What can I provide that will entice you to come and work for me or to come and buy my product? And so we have the economy, which is tanking right now. I would argue that we are absolutely in a recession. The, sure. the White House or some other people may argue that is not, we're not in a recession yet. We're in a recession, the end. Um, and there's this other push for free college or to, you know, for the government to cancel or pay for uh, all student loans out there. Let me tell you something. You can get free college education if you join the military. I actually got my my bachelor's and my master's in my last three years in the military while traveling about 100 or 210 days a year. Uh, I was still able to get, you know, two graduate, two degrees, my bachelor's and my master's in a three-year period because they took my you know, a lot of my credits that I that I got from just being in the military, serving time, schools that I went to. And then I was able to parlay that uh, that experience in those schools into uh, additional classes that I took online. And I was able to get, you know, two degrees out of it. So you can get free college paid for by the government. You just have to go pay a price. 
Right. Let me just remind everybody who we're on with. Uh, we're on with William Branham. He's a highly decorated Navy SEAL veteran, uh, served the United States military for 26 years. And when we come back, I want to kind of pull on that thread and, and build on that a little bit, because I think it's um, it, some of your experiences, I think, are really unique. And I want the audience to learn a little bit about them. So don't go anywhere. Don't move a muscle. Give us a call if you're interested in joining the conversation. 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Rich Valdez, who again will do a fine job, but I know you'll enjoy listening to it. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Our guest, William Branham, he's a highly decorated Navy SEAL, a veteran for 26 years, and he's been in a lot of high-pressure situations like being a sniper instructor and leading teams on operations ranging from protecting the interim Iraqi elected officials to uh, direct action missions in Baghdad and Afghanistan, as well as undersea missions that were required to be approved by the President of the United States. William Branham, uh, Branham when uh, you hear about fitness standards being waived, we already know where you stand on that. And being in these high-pressure situations, it's obvious that you have to be on your game all the time. There's no room for a mistake. How do you, how do you prepare for for excellence at all times? Well, I think, you know, having a, a very high minimum standard is, is critical. And that's exactly the opposite of what the Air Force is doing here. And when you came back on, you reminded me of something. You know, I, when I was teaching sniper school, um, the first class that I was the, the senior guy, the, the leading petty officer, if you will, um, we sent home seven guys because they did not qualify shooting expert um, during that course of instruction. So the first week, you, we, we do a lot of teaching. We teach marksmanship. We teach all sorts of stuff. We want guys to be successful in what they're doing. They, the command sent them to that school for a reason. They need that capability at the command. But we had seven guys that did not shoot expert, and so I had to send them home. Even though they were friends of mine, I did not want to, but I have a standard. We have a standard in the SEAL teams. We have a standard in the military. And, you know, being able to shoot expert is a minimum standard. So, and those guys did not do it. But also while I was in that exact same class, 9-11 happened. Because we, mm. because we maintained a high standard, you know, many of those guys got to come back and try again. And they, they were very successful going through the course. And they had to eat that sort of humble pie going back to their command to, and telling them that they got kicked out because they could not shoot expert, a very basic SEAL skill, and we had to send them home. Uh, they, went, they went back. I think consequences, I think, I think um, we need more consequences in society to hold ourselves accountable. We need more consequences in the military. We need to hold ourselves to a higher standard. And, and unfortunately, we're leaning more towards a society of mediocrity rather than high standards. And uh, we, as leaders of this country, need to change that. I love what I'm hearing. You know, this is a lesson that I learned um, coming into the radio business, where um, I just happened to fall into a situation where the, there was 
it was very demanding. It was very, it just all I can say, very demanding. <laughs> and, and I worked with some people who were a little bit more, you know, um, laid back and uh, at times. And I thought, wow, how, how did they get away with that? Because, you know, in, in, the, in the studio I'm in, it's like, you know, they're, they're beating us like a drum. Uh, but I realized it makes you better and it, and it makes you ready and prepared. And you always have this mindset of, you know, going after it. And something you talk about is is developing a Navy SEAL mindset. Tell us about that. So I, I like to call it the get naked mindset, because when I retired <laughs> from the military, uh, it'll make sense in a minute. When I retired from the military, uh, you know, I had a lot of baggage. Some of it was from occupational hazards. Some of it was from some not so awesome relationships that I've been a part of. And some of it was I needed to take my ego off so I could, you know, kind of expose myself, become vulnerable and, and find the healing that I actually needed uh, as a man, as a warrior, as whatever, so that I could be the, you know, the, the best version of myself for my for my family, for my business, for for all the people that are around me. And so right. and I just want to chime I, in. So you're saying you you were a fighting machine and that and in that capacity, not a problem as a warrior. But in every other aspect of life, you had to make some adjustments because that's just how life is. A hundred percent. You know, you, you always have to adjust. You have to evolve and you have to continue uh, evolving to whatever scenario you're in or situation you're in. And I wasn't really ready to be out of the military. I would still be there today if I could, but they're like, beat it, old guy. We need to make room for, for you know, young blood and, and things like that. And also going into combat, you, you see and experience things that most people should not experience. So uh, right. there's a lot, tons of veterans out there that, that experience a lot of hardship when they, when they leave the military. And, uh, and, and so but we have some tools to help them. And, uh, you know, so going back to this get naked mindset, originally it was about taking my ego with that armor off that I was kind of hiding behind, but I turned naked into an acronym. It's five secrets to think like a Navy SEAL, five things that I have kind of distilled from my time in the military. And so, uh, it's, it's a presentation I give from stage. I, I travel around and I speak quite often. Uh, and so I'm not going to go too deep into it, but just to give you some wave tops, naked stands for the N stands for never quit. The A is accept failure. K is to kill mediocrity, E is expose your fears, and D is do the work. And I say, if you want to think like a Navy SEAL, then you have to get naked. It certainly gets people's mm. attention. And then I'm able to, like, talk to them <laughs> about it. Sometimes I'm like, it's about mental health. And they're like, what? So, but it's also about living an outstanding, awesome, epic life. How do you, how do you intertwine all of that, right? Being on all the time, firing on every cylinder, and, uh, and, and being, I, I think for most people, when they hear that, they're like, oh my gosh, if I'm on all the time, I'm going to be exhausted all the time. I, I'm not going to be my best. But I think what you're saying is being on all the time and firing on every cylinder is actually what will help you be your best. A hundred percent. If you are always leaning forward and trying to be the best version of yourself every second of the day, we have a, we have a sleep problem. We have a stress and anxiety problem in the United States, in the world. And that's because we don't, we don't work hard enough once upon you know back in world war ii vietnam kind of era people were proud to do a solid day's work now it's hard to get they'll do a, a solid day of, of social media scrolling they'll do a, <laughs> a, a solid day of you know stuff like that and they're not really 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 ready to work i mean we've seen that you know since the pandemic has ended and uh and people have like ceos of major companies have had to demand people return to the office. Yeah, that's true. They're they're they've become mediocre. They're like I, and they're I don't I don't believe that every 
job needs to happen in the office. I think there's a, a good argument for uh, working outside of the office place. However, if the boss who's paying your bills, who pays your paycheck says, hey, you need to come back in, there shouldn't be much of a, you either need to go back in or find a new job. Um, and really, we, we've gotten so used to not doing work. Um, and we've just become sort of mediocre and we don't hold ourselves to a higher standard. But if you, and then at the end of the day, you're like, oh, I'm not really tired. I don't feel like going to bed, my brain, whatever. And I'm still scrolling social media or watching YouTube or, or whatever and, uh, and not going to sleep. But if you lean in and you, you apply these five steel secrets to your life every single day, by the time the day ends, you're going to be ready to go to bed. You're going to be ready to shut your eyes for the rest of the night. Well, I want to learn more about this stuff. How, if people want to learn more about the five seal secrets, where do they go? I uh, go to the website, the number five, five seal, like Navy seal, five seal secrets.com. Put your information in there. We'll send you an email for this, you know, small ebook and, uh, and you can use and apply these five seal secrets to every aspect of your life. All right, so that's five, the number five, numeral five, sealsecrets.com, fivesealsecrets.com. Uh, our guest is William Branham. He's a retired Navy SEAL and um, excellent, excellent stuff. I, I love the acronym again. If you don't mind, uh, repeat it for the audience, uh, what, what NAKED stands for. NAKED. NAKED stands for the N is for never quit. The A is accept failure. The K is to kill mediocrity. The E is expose your fears. And the D is to do the work. Outstanding. Now, uh, that's where they go to get the, uh, the information and sign up for the ebook and all that stuff. Uh, but if, um, is there other projects that you're working on? Is there a social media account or another website where people could follow the work that you're doing? I also have a CBD company. CBD is a very saturated market right now. So I would, if, you're, if you're looking at CBD, I would, I would go to a trusted source, someone that does, uh, you know, independent third-party testing of all of their products, every batches. And that would be NW for Naked Warrior, uh, Dash Recovery, NW-Recovery.com, or you can type in NakedWarriorRecovery.com. Uh, I put blog posts in there about mindset and health and fitness and things like that. Um, at social media, I'm on Instagram, William.R.Branham. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on, uh, you can Google me. I've been on a, a, a fair number of podcasts in the last couple of years, I think a little over 400. Um, so pretty easy to Google. Uh, you know, my last name is B-R-A-N-U-M, William Branham. And uh, pretty easy to Google, Navy SEAL. And uh, yeah, if you're, if you're interested in working with me or having me come and speak or anything like that, or just, you know, want to talk about veterans or how can we help, um, hit me up and I will be more than happy to, uh, to point you in the right direction. All right, William Branham. Well, I'll definitely be uh, checking out the book. I, I love what I heard tonight. The website is 5sealsecrets.com, the number 5sealsecrets.com. William Branham is the man you want to check out. William Branham, thank you for joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. You bet. God bless. More to come straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. It's Rich Valdez. 
And uh, we're going to continue our conversation, switching gears a little bit to find out what's going on in the world of pop culture and in the news, in sports. Did you guys hear about WWE merging with... um, what did they merge with? UFC. That was a big deal. That was when I said, oh, my gosh, we got to call my buddy Guns. When I worked in talk radio in New York City, uh, Mike Gunzelman, who's, he's an OG in the radio game. This guy was on Imus in the morning. He was on the Mark Levin show. He's, he's always on Fox Business. If you turn on the TV, you see him there now, and he's with Outkick, Outkick.com. Uh, Mike Gunzelman, welcome to the program, sir. Hey, Richie. How are you? Richie V, congratulations on everything, man. Thank you, uh, brother. Great. Yeah, it's a great intro that you gave me. But uh, yeah, you know, we, uh, you know, I paved the way for you to, you know, do the Mark Levin show and then beyond. Yes, so congratulations, man. Really this, great. Stuff. You are you are the trailblazing uh, paver. And uh, no, I really appreciate it. And I'm glad you're here, brother. Uh, and I love what you're doing. I watched a little bit of the video where you were talking about the WWE. And I said, man, I want to talk about that because I love that stuff. The other day, I opened up my Twitter account and it said John Cena was following me. Big shout out to John Cena. I th- he listens oh, to the there show. You go. Yeah. So uh, uh, John Cena is a fan. And a quick story. I'm going to share a funny story. One time, uh, Mike was doing, uh, he was hosting a show. I forget what it was called, but it, was it in the ring or in the cage? It was your, the, you had a MMA podcast. Do you remember Oh, yeah, that? yeah, yeah. The, the, the MMA report I was doing. The yeah. MMA okay. report yeah. with Mike Gunzelman. So, yeah, he, uh, he brings in Rampage Jackson, and uh, he introduces him to me and a colleague of mine named Richard as well. And uh, so, you know, he comes in, he's like, hey, what's up, guys? And, uh, and I was like, hey, what's up? I'm Rich Valdez. And he's like, yo, nice to meet you, Rich. And then uh, he meets Rich Cementa. And he says, hey, nice to meet you, Rich. And he goes, hold up, y'all both named Rich. And we laughed. And he was like, you go by the nickname Dick? And, and we we're like, not really. He's like, otherwise, they'd say you guys are a pair of dicks. <laughs> and it was the funniest <laughs> joke. <laughs> and then by the time that's I felt slighted, yeah. I was like, this guy's huge. I can't say anything anyway. <laughs> Big shout yeah, out to these, Rampage Jackson. There, it's so true. And that's also, you know, when you really think about it, um, when you're talking about WWE and UFC, which are just both massive, massive franchises right now, you know, the the fighters, the wrestlers, when you actually meet them, they are huge in real life. They are like, they are, it's one thing to see them on TV or maybe if you see a live event, you're probably sitting with the 100, 200, 300 section, whatever it might be. You don't realize how big some of these people are unless they're right That's in front of you. But also his comment also goes to show, um, you know, anytime you talk to a wrestler or whatnot, not only do they have to perform, we all know like the quote unquote scripted stuff, et cetera, but you know, they are superior athletes, but not only do they have to perform, they have to be really good on the mic. They have yeah. to entertain as well. So when he said that line to you, that was like, you know, I mean, like, you know, even though he's in the UFC, they do plenty of media and plenty of stuff in that, in the octagon that they have to be kind of semi witty, you know, they, they know how to draw the oh, crowd yeah. because the thing about Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor talks so much, you know what he talks, you know? No, he's and talking smack he's all day long. He's a massive draw. Yeah. So. He's terrific. Good stuff. Well, I, I want to talk about a few of the articles you've got out. You've got articles. You've got videos on Outkick.com. You're doing a tremendous job there, and congratulations to you. But I want to talk about uh, a little bit about this UFC and WWE merger, and then I want to move into some of the other stuff that you're working on, as well as the TikTok ban and uh, how it looks from yeah. your perspective. 
So uh, let's start off with this WWE UFC. I saw it the other day. I think I might have mentioned it on the show. And that's when I said, let's get Gunzelman and you're in incredible demand. It's super hard to book you. So I'm glad we got you. <laughs> Guys, if you're trying to get Gunzelman, he's very busy. But anyway, uh, uh, Mike, tell us a, a little bit about what's going on with UFC and WWE. Because I think this is, to quote El Trompito, this is huge. Yeah, and and the thing is, just to make it relatable, there's some people out there that might be perhaps rolling their eyes, like, oh, wrestling, it's fake, et cetera. This goes beyond wrestling because now you're talking about media rights, all right? You're talking about media rights as well as, like, the world of streaming that so many people are doing. And the fact is there's a company called Endeavor, all right? They're ran by Ari Emanuel. That is what Entourage, the TV show Entourage, was based on. And they have now given UFC and the WWE a $21.5 billion evaluation. Billions. Billions with the B. So this isn't yeah. your Hulk Hogan's and your yeah, – yeah. This isn't your just like the old school, oh, ha-ha, they're all in like tights and like Speedos running around. You're talking massive media deals right now. And what's actually really interesting is the fact that it's – it's going to set a precedent moving forward, all right? And it's an interesting time for media right now. And, and it's funny that you're part of Talk Radio, Rich, because we are seeing now more people go back to their radios and listening because there's just so much out there. All right. If you yeah. think about your streaming services, you know, I still have my cable. Obviously, like, you know, I'm on Fox, Fox Business. I do all that stuff. Uh, and, and, and it's great. So I still have my cable, but a lot of people are cord cutting. But when you really think about it, you have your HBO Max, you have your Showtime, you got your ESPN Plus, you got your Peacock Network, you got your Spotify, you've got your YouTube, you got blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden you start adding all these things together and you're like, wouldn't it be great if somebody, you know, put them all together in one thing? Yeah, it was called cable. Cable TV. Like, literally, it, was, it was called cable. So the fact is, though, that now that you have these two sports enterprises teaming together at such a high evaluation, this is going to have trickle down effects because they are eventually there. You know, WWE has a, a, has a contract with, with Fox. All right. That's up very soon, like within the next year or so UFC has one with ESPN plus. So that means if they're coming in with such a high price, all right. in such a high valuation or valuation, I should say, that means, everything else is going to follow suit and that's going to affect your pocketbooks, everybody. So that's why this matters to you. All right. Because all it takes mm -hmm. is one and they're all going to follow suit. You see with the NFL, they got rid of the NFL network pretty much. You know what I mean? They're, they're on your Amazon. You have to go to Apple TV. Now you got to go to NBC, all that stuff. Everything's going to get more expensive. And the one thing that does it go up, my friend, Rich Valdez are, mm -hmm our paychecks, everything else. <laughs> I take an Uber, my Ubers are, I, I'm still getting, the, the Ubers still have like, don't quote me on this, but they have to still have these due to COVID fees. Remember when they first, I lived in New York City yeah, for the, the whole entire the last couple of years. Yeah, they were like, oh, because it's for safety and COVID surcharge. Well, guess what? It's That's not around anymore, but yet the price hasn't gone down. So once these things happen, they rarely ever go down, Rich Valdez, and we're just and we're all just going along for the ride. What are we doing? Yeah, what are we doing? That's man? called Biden inflation guns. It's called Biden inflation. <laughs> it's 
exactly. Exactly. Right, let me but, just remind but, everybody, yeah, we're on with Mike yeah. Gunzelman, and he is the uh, he's a TV personality. He's a columnist. Uh, check him out at OutKick.com. And uh, we're, we're going to take a quick pause here, Guns. We're going to come right back and, and discuss the TikTok ban and uh, some of the other stuff you're working on because I, I want people to check out your website. But, the TikTok uh, don't thing, go anywhere. please, yeah. yeah, come back and stay around for this. I'm all over this TikTok thing, and I'm going to tell your listeners stuff that they have not heard before. You need to come back and listen this, to this. Look, folks, that is called a tease. That is probably the best tease I've heard all night. This is a good man right here. Mike Gunzelman, known as Guns at the Gun Show on Twitter. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. It's Rich Valdez. If you want to join the conversation, our late night national town hall forum with our buddy Mike Gunzelman, definitely give us a call. 833, the number four, Valdez, 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. Or you could chime in online at Rich Valdez with an S on all of the social media. Now, our guest is Mike Gunzelman. He's at The Guns Show on Twitter. Guns, tell us uh, about this TikTok ban because we've talked about it with everybody, from Congress people to people from other social media companies, but I haven't gotten your perspective. All right, so here's the thing for everybody out there. And yeah, it's Guns with a Z, G-U-N-Z, follow me across all the board. But here we go. I wrote this pretty extensively. I am a millennial. I grew up. I had Twitter back in 2007, 2008. I am an OG, all right? I'm the one that knows everything. <laughs> I live on social media. It's what I do. Here's yes, the sir. thing. And I would love to re-listen to some of these uh, the politician interviews that you've had because a lot of them aren't telling you. The bottom line is, Rich Valdez, if they wanted to just ban TikTok, then they should have written a bill that just banned TikTok. I'll take it a step further. Remember after January 6th, everyone was losing their minds, et cetera, freaking out? Remember when Parler, Parler was taken off the Google store as well as and, the, and the Apple store? store. Yeah. yeah. Remember that, okay? Yeah, they just yeah, removed big it. Big deal. Huge so, deal. So, so if TikTok is such a threat, why aren't they doing that to it? Hmm. All right. Well, well it's I don't because think the government didn't it. lead that. That was Apple that led that. Exactly. All right. But but but, but it's such a threat, though. Why is right. it? Why why aren't they doing like what? Okay. So what are they doing now? Here's the thing: the Biden White House just supported the quote unquote TikTok ban. It's called the Restrict Act. I read the whole entire thing and broke it down on Outkick.com. It is dangerous as hell, my friend, okay? First of all, the White House is granting, no matter who it is, is granting all the power to the Commerce Department, all right? An unelected branch of the, like not even a branch of the government, an unelected agency, essentially, that will have so much power, so much so that they'll be able to ban not only TikTok, social media apps, they can also ban gaming applications, they can ban all sorts of different things, but also, my friend, they can ban payment applications, okay? Wow. It's, it's right there in the thing. Payment applications, think about this, down the line, that's your cryptocurrency. That yeah, could be this your is Bitcoin. like a Chinese credit score. 
This is they pick and choose payment application. On top of that, they can also the Commerce Department. This is all written in the freaking bill. I have it all there. The they can determine things based on past, present, or future concerns. So even if a company <laughs> or somebody that creates something, yeah, you know, even if something's not even a risk. You know, they, these days, everything that's going on and like, you know, the, how politicized everything is, they can stop things from even happening. And if that wasn't enough for everybody out there, if that wasn't enough, there's also a provision in this Restrict Act, which, by the way, is bipartisan, and I have no idea why. And also the Biden administration supports it, which is frightening as well, okay? Yeah, because it's not just – it's just not a TikTok bay, okay? It's it barely got anything to do with TikTok. The biggest part of it is they have a provision in it that restricts Freedom of Information Act requests to wow. find out who they've gone after. Why would you ever put that there? Why would you ever have that there? It's because they want all the power with no checks. They don't want the checks and balances. They want all the power alone. I'm not a lunatic. I'm a millennial. I'm a fun-loving guy. But if you read the bill and look at this, what are we doing here? It is all about a power grab. All right, it's beyond TikTok, my friend. Just, yeah. just do a ban. Do it. Do just be like TikTok's banned. It's not, man. If anything, we've learned. Think about the last couple of years. Think about rolling the go the goalposts back. Keep pushing them back. Pushing them back. Oh. Like New York City, L.A., you know, we, we had, you know, boom, 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 had to get more restrictions, 15 more restrictions, days to more flatten mandates, the curve, more mandates. Exactly. Think about it. If you're a politician, if you're whoever's in control, you never want to fully solve the problem because then you're out of a job. Once you have power and once you give away your freedom, you rarely ever get it back. And think about why are payment applications put in a restrict act that is, quote unquote, a TikTok ban bill. There's only one reason why. It's because they want further control down the line. And it might not happen next year, but think about three or four years down the line, especially because we see that, you know, the Fed's talking about cryptocurrency and digital currency and Bitcoin and all this. And will we ever go to a digital dollar? It's all written there now because there's something coming down the line. It's not just a TikTok bad bill, my friend. It's not. And you're getting rid of the Freedom of Information Act. The reason we know so much about the Pfizer, Moderna, and these questionable things regarding the, the vaccination stuff, and I'm not even talking about that, is because of Freedom of Information Act. That's how we get so much information across the board. And with, the, with you have it written there that that won't be allowed, that's shady, my man. Rich Valdez, mm -hmm. that's shady. Just be real. Be transparent. Read the bill, my friends. Read the bill. Like, what are we doing here, man? What are we doing? Guns, you are blowing the lid off of this thing. And the only person that I, I really heard being really uh, outspoken on opposing this bill was Rand Paul. And um, it, it definitely warrants some more analysis. I didn't know a lot of this stuff. And, I'm not, and, so. and for all the listeners out there, they're probably like, oh, this kid, like, I'm just a, I'm a, I cover sports entertainment, like, but I also know what I'm talking about. I grew up in social media. I understand this. Read the bill. I wrote it all there. I'm not some whack job running around talking about conspiracy well, theories. Let's not like get that far. I'm a fun-loving guy. But read the <laughs> bill. It's all there. And just think about it. I've been covering it. I've been covering this for like two years now, man. You could see it down the line.
So it's it's very dangerous. It's very dangerous. And it's right, also folks. interesting that they, they banned they got rid of Parler, but if TikTok's such a threat, right. why isn't Apple and Google getting rid of just TikTok? They still that have makes it up a lot there. of sense. Although I think Apple's in bed with China. But we'll continue with that straight ahead. Uh, everybody, we're on with Mike Gunzelman at The Guns Show. He's with us for one more segment. And uh, if you have a question or a comment, feel free to give a call. 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Welcome back. We are going to be taking your calls momentarily on Open Phone America, time-honored tradition here on this program, uh, started by Larry King back in 1978, continued by Jim Bohannon for 30 years, and continues with me. Uh, so we're going to do that. The number is 833-4-VALDEZ. I see the calls are starting to come in, so we're going to get to that momentarily. Our guest is Mike Gunzelman, and before we bid him adieu, I want Mike to tell us how we can find out all of the great stuff that he's doing at OutKick. Mike? Yeah, so OutKick has been uh, uh, absolutely a tremendous experience. We are absolutely crushing it uh, right now. The uh, you know year to year, we are just getting amazing, amazing page views and content and more. Last name is Guns G U N Z. You can find me everywhere. The Gun Show G U N Z. I cover media. I cover entertainment. I cover sports. I cover trending. Pretty much all the things that you should be interested in because. There's no better feeling. I describe it like this. There's nothing better than going to a bar and somebody saying, talking about anything at all next to you and you being able to realize and understand what they're talking about. And that's what life's all about. You just yeah. want to have conversational pieces, and that's what I do. And I cover everything. So, you know, I, and I have no shame. I have no filter. I just call everybody <laughs> out. Just be real. Just be transparent, my man. Rich Valdez, you know the deal. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. That's how we do it. Folks, give them a follow at The Guns Show. That's guns with a Z. And, uh, Mike, it was good to connect with you, brother. I uh, look forward to doing it. We can do this monthly if, if you're around. Yeah, please uh, send me back. We, didn't, we have so much to talk about, man. These were a little bit more serious stuff, but the TikTok thing needs to be you have to look at, look at that bill. Please, everybody, look at the I will. restrict act. As a matter of fact, we'll do a follow-up. <laughs> Uh, and, and maybe yeah. we'll do it on podcasts so that the segments are longer and we don't have to pause for breaks cool. and we can really dig into it. Uh, Mike Gunzelman, I want to thank you for being with us. It was terrific. Check him out at Congrats Outkick.com. Congrats on everything. Rich Valdez, one of the best shows out there. Let's go. Congratulations, buddy. You deserve my it, man. my man. Thank you, brother. And likewise, right back at you. I hope to have you back soon. All right. Let us uh, continue. That was Mike Gunzelman, everybody. So we're going to give you the uh, I'll post some stuff from guns so that you guys can see it I'll put it on on social media at Rich Valdez with an S and we're going to get to your calls right now after this we're back in a couple of minutes the phone number 833-482-5337 833-4-VALDEZ everything's on the table looking forward to speaking with you tonight and uh that's all I've got they're kicking me out the music means I gotta go but I'll be right back don't go anywhere open phone America starts right now
live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S on all of the social media. Our phone number, if you'd like to join our late night live national town hall, you're free to do so. Now is the time. It's open phone, America. Any topic, I'm happy to discuss it. Let's hear what's on your mind, plus everything we've talked about all night long. And again, if you've missed any of the great interviews that we've had tonight on the uh, first hour, the second hour, you can always catch those on richvaldezamericaatnight.com, richvaldezamericaatnight.com. You could stream older episodes. You could subscribe to the podcast there as well. If you uh, listen to it through a podcast app, you can stream the show live if you uh, want to take it on the go and you don't have it on the station in your car. You're driving to a different state and they don't carry us in that state. You can always hear the show. You never have to miss the program. Anyway, uh, that's that. Now, earlier I'd mentioned a story, and I wanted to get into this a little bit, uh, from the Nashville shooting. Right after that Nashville shooting, a bunch of Democrats, it was like an insurrection, if you will. They stormed the Bastille when they uh, went to the, um, uh, the, the state house there, and uh, they overtook the whole place. Well, today, uh, let's see, they voted on expulsion, and two of the three Democrats... Uh, lawmakers, uh, state representatives in Tennessee were ousted after attending the gun protest. One of them was allowed to stay. Check this out. So we've got two Democrat lawmakers who were ousted from the Republican-controlled Tennessee State House. Uh, one of them was allowed to stay in what marks the first partisan expulsion in the state's modern history. Now, the one rep, Gloria Johnson, she's one of the um, legislators who survived an expulsion resolution denying all the allegations that she shouted from the well. And she said that it, this breached House decorum in a needed effort to stir what they called good trouble. And uh, here's a quote it says, my friends in school all called me little miss law and order because I'm a rule follower. And I know that rules sometimes have to be broken and sometimes you have to get in good trouble, she said. I may have broken a rule, but in the words of this document, uh, that's false. And what I did, I was compelled to do based on speaking for the voters in my district who were begging me to bring this issue forward. She uh, later added, gesturing to uh, House Resolution 64, which would have expelled her from the legislative body. State Rep. Justin Jones is the first lawmaker expelled when uh, legislators voted to adopt H.R. 65, calling the resolution a spectacle and a lynch mob assembled to not only lynch him, but to lynch our democratic process. How about that? Man, things are getting heavy in Tennessee saying, quote, we called for you to ban assault weapons and you responded with an assault on democracy, Jones said. Uh, He gave a 20-minute opening statement. Following the adoption of the expulsion resolution, Jones said that uh, him being uh, ousted is just setting a precedent that any member who voices any dissent or opposition can be expelled from the legislative body. 
Now, interestingly, they're not being expelled uh, for having dissenting opinions. That's what they do there. They're politicians and they argue with each other. Obviously, it's because they broke certain rules and they allowed people to storm the Bastille, as I said. Anyway, uh, he continues. He says, whether I'm a member on the inside or a community member on the outside, I will continue to stand with the people demanding change. This is not the end. But today is a very dangerous day for America, he said in a hallway interview following the vote. And uh, President Joe Biden said that the move to oust Jones was shocking, undemocratic and without precedent, arguing that Republicans in Tennessee were focused on punishing legislators who joined thousands of peaceful protesters calling for action rather than pushing for reforms. Earlier in the Thursday session, the legislature passed HB 322, a bill that requires schools to implement a number of safety plans and a security system over uh, the objections of the three members who face uh, this um, aforementioned expulsion. So that's the case right now in Tennessee. These people showed up and they got kicked out of their state house. And these are state representatives. So that's what's happening in Tennessee. I'd love to get your thoughts on that and so much more. Let's see what we've got in the well over here. We've got calls coming in from all over the place. Uh, let's see, we've got California, we've got Pennsylvania, we've got Montana, we've got Ohio. Let us start with right here uh, in Ohio, middle of the country, WNIR, Ravenna, Ohio. Ravenna, Ohio, you let me know how you say it. Alan, welcome to the program. You got it right the second time there, uh, Rich. Thank you. Um, Ravenna, Ohio. Um, What's on your mind, brother? Second or third time calling you. Love your show, your program. Thank you. It's amazing. Appreciate it. Um, it's a gl- it's, well, it's a good thing that about uh, Biden said about the undemocratic. Well, you know, we don't really have a Democrat. We have a Republican, right? We have a republic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, yeah, um, I, I get what you're saying. You're it, it's interesting uh, that, you know, that, that this is always their argument, right? Uh, whenever they, they want to say, if you anything you do that they don't like, this is an assault on our democracy. Um, but you had your, la- your last uh, guest, uh, Mike Yeah, Gunz. or we talked, Mike Gunzelman, um, sure. He, he was talking about the, uh, the TikTok ban and what was in it and about the, uh, the uh, payment applications. And I'm wondering, uh, just like how the, uh, the, truckers, the freedom fighters in Canada, they were lined up and uh, they were being funded by the GoFundMe account. But, uh, you know, the, the, the Canada prime minister wanted them all out and couldn't, like, just push them out. So they tried to freeze their accounts on GoFundMe, right? Oh, yeah, you're in, right. In the United States, they can't do that yet, right? Well, they can't they can't freeze the funds, but the thing is, GoFundMe can do whatever they want to do, and they did it to a few people. So what was what I found interesting was that wasn't the, that was when it started, but they went ahead and did it to somebody else last year as well, and that kind of gave rise to uh, a competitor called Give Send Go, and we had the founder of Give Send Go on this program because uh, she was saying that that was why they started it, that people were being censored for their. Uh, religious beliefs, mainly it was religious beliefs, uh, but political beliefs as well. 
And uh, when they saw a need that arose, they said, you know what, we've got to be able to allow people to, to bless other people financially in a time of need without worrying about this stuff. And uh, excellent point that you make with the uh, Canada Freedom Convoy when the truckers kind of all got together saying, no, we have to make these deliveries because, A, people need what we're delivering, and, B, we have to continue to work, and we can't allow the government to shut us down. And that was a very tyrannical time. I know people take exception to me using that word, but that's really what it was. And uh, I, I really appreciate the um, the analogy because it, it's really spot on of how they were trying to do that then, and now they're trying to codify that action, right? And saying, well, how can we as the government do that? Well, let's eliminate FOIA requests. Let's uh, eliminate people's ability to even have this in, in many ways. And, of course, that limits your, your freedom. And it wasn't um, – I think Guns was more eloquent on that topic than several of the people that we talked to, uh, and no, no slight on them. But um, he brought it from a different perspective because he wasn't lying when he said he lives on social media. He does, and he always has. So uh, very good point, Alan. Uh, now, where is Ravenna, Ohio? Is that uh, like central Ohio, northern Ohio, southern Ohio? Um, it's, we'll say, halfway between Columbus and the east side of Ohio, um, between a, between Columbus and Youngstown. Um, Sounds good. It, it's, about, it's about central, but on the central east side. All right, cool. Well, I appreciate the call. Good to hear from you. I'm glad you're uh, joining us on Open Phone America. And a big shout out to everybody listening on WNIR in Ravenna, Ohio, and the surrounding area. Folks, we're going to get to the rest of your calls straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, we continue with Open Phone America, uh, your calls and more. Let us continue. Let's go to Katie, Reading, Pennsylvania, W-E-E-U. Welcome, Katie. You're on with Rich Valdez. Hello, Rich Valdez. Hello, everybody. Hi. Um, I just wanted to mention, um, I noticed the, the speaker regarding the Navy SEALs thing and, and reduction or the increase of weight and size seems a little awkward as to choose what words not to offend anyone. And <laughs> as myself, being a former 400-pound person, I understand, you know, where it's at. Um, and regarding making it okay for heavier people to join the military, that's great and wonderful in theory. But just because they make a size 30 dress in the same material that they make a wetsuit out of doesn't mean that you buy it and wear it. And my point mm -hmm. is there's not going to be an a seat belt extension on the planes in the military. So if you're fit and capable and you're carrying an extra 30 pounds, great and wonderful. But if you're not capable with the little extra weight, and believe me, I know the difference it makes a lot, 
don't put yourself in that position of failure because it's just not a fun place to be. Yeah, it's a really point well taken. And um, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, this is, you know, this is one of my reasons <laughs> that I'm not in the military today. And I say that jokingly. I give nothing but credit to those who serve. Um, and uh, you made a serious point, a very sober point, and I, and I happen to agree with it. I think you have to be, especially if you're going to you know, try for something like Navy SEALs or something like that, you've got to be in the best shape that you can be, I, I would imagine. And while I don't know that any of us uh, in regular life is at 26% body fat as opposed to 20%, I think both are pretty physically fit. Um, I know people in the 30 percentile are like considered uh, obese and as it gets higher, it's like morbidly obese and whatnot. But uh, yeah, point well taken. It, it's a do yourself the favor and, and don't put yourself in a jam. Katie, I appreciate it. Good hearing from you on WEEU in Reading, Pennsylvania. And I know you guys get that signal goes all the way out to, to Philly. And I used to be on the air in Philly. So big shout out to everybody listening in, in Reading and Philly and all over the place in Pennsylvania. Thank you, Katie. Hope to hear from you again soon. Let's continue. Uh, let's go to Jerome. He has a comment about America's first black Supreme Court Justice, Clarence Thomas. Go right ahead, Jerome. Hello, Rich. Are you there? Can you hear me? Everybody hears you, sir. Hey, you mean uh, Clarence Uncle Tom sellout Two-Face Thomas? Uh, first oh, I don't know that. Those are your words, not mine. Now, why would you why would you use a, like a racially derogatory term like that about uh, Clarence Thomas Jerome? Taking these secret trips from those rich friends. Hey, how come the only friends they got are the ones that are on the Supreme Court, huh? Don't you have any regular friends that are not on the Supreme Court? You're saying friends? Yeah. Are you saying That's friends? Oh, those are her friends. Yeah, those were her friends. She got those trips from. Yeah, right. Sure. Well, I'm, I'm confused. Why, why is it any of your business where they go on their trips? Because he tried to hide it. He didn't report it. That's why. And you always talk about Hunter Biden. What about Jared Kushner taking $2 million from those murdering Saudis? Huh? How about that? How about it? What's your thought on that? You always talk about Hunter Biden all the time. Hunter Biden's not well, in office. It, no, but his father is. Yeah, but what? So as uh, I think Donald that makes Trump, a big difference, doesn't it? Yo, Donald Trump is, is Jack Kushner's son-in-law. He took two right, million dollars. Right, but Kushner makes these son. deals after he leaves the White House. You've got Hunter Biden making these deals before he gets into the White House, and still selling these paintings for an exorbitant amount of money. I, mean, I don't care if you love Hunter and you want to marry Hunter. Good for you, Jerome. But the bottom line to me is, if you know the guy's not a painter. And he's selling paintings for seventy-five, uh, whatever it was, seventy-five thousand dollars, a hundred grand, whatever. The, the, these paintings—they're um, just, um, you know, it, it seems a little bit off the level. And when you have these investments that equal billions of dollars, and you know that this is a person that's uh, plagued with a horrible disease of drug addiction, it, it gives you pause to think: Are we really in the safest place possible when his dad currently is president, and there's these? constant payments saying it goes to this Biden, goes to that Biden. Uh, it's not like they can say, well, we've been a wealthy family for a long time. We're in the real estate business. We run this and we run that business. We have got golf courses and hotels. They, they don't have a claim like that. They just have, we serve on boards and we work in politics. I mean, I, I just don't see the apples to apples comparison, Jerome. Kushner, $2 billion. You're still on Kushner. 
So I guess the way it works here is you, you just want to say, look the other way on Hunter and we'll just beat up Kushner. We'll beat up the other guy. As long as we focus on the guys that you don't like, then the guys that are actually in office right now today don't matter. Is that right? Well, why did Clarence Thomas not report those trips? I don't the- even know what you're talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about. The news today, I it was all, you don't listen to no, the I didn't news? see it. I or didn't see it. I didn't see it on the news. You won't hear that on Fox. Yeah, you won't listen. You, you won't hear that on Fox. That's your no, but I have you. Aren't you a smart guy? You sound like a smart guy, Jerome. Why don't you educate me a little bit? Tell me what's on the news. Look, he, he didn't re- Clarence Thomas took these fancy trips, and he didn't report it because they're from his rich friends. He was supposed to report those trips because you're not supposed to get influence, but that's what you call influence from your rich friends. So what friends. happens now? That's why. What happens now with his Who rich knows? friends? They're not going to do anything to him. They're not going to do anything to him because he's on the Supreme Court. But you know what? I'm If I was suspicious of him before, I'm highly suspicious of him now. Right, but I, I'm I'm just curious to understand this. <laughs> so he goes on a trip. He's married to a, a a a woman, and this woman is a conservative activist. You're saying that a donor, uh, a big Republican donor, gave her a trip, and she brought him along on the trip, and that he was supposed to report this trip as what income? Yeah, right. Yeah, who's or oh, she brings her hello her her black husband. Who's a sellout on the trip, huh? Now, why is race important to you That if it's a black husband? Do you have a problem with race? Hey, look at That's the only kind of black people Republicans like, the ones that sell out. Do you think that's true? I mean, do you really think that every Republican out there doesn't like black people unless they're conservative black people? Scott and Clarence re- Thomas. Tim Scott are you, and are you Thomas, black, sir? are your two favorite ones, right? Are you I black? Am. Right, you, you have gotten more time on this program than any other white person who's called in. I, some would argue that I like you more than I like them. I don't call you that much, but I appreciate you letting me speak because, hey, I know, I know you're a Republican. Come on. Yeah, I am. I've, been, I've, I've never voted for a Democrat in my life. So I think I'm proving your point that I like you. I let you speak your mind. You had your time. And I I love the conversation. I appreciate the back and forth. And I'll take a look at these articles on Clarence Thomas. To me, this sounds like they're trying to make it look like something that really isn't it. Because it's coming from ProPublica. And they're they're a horrible outfit. Anyway, more to come straight ahead. Your calls and more. 833-4-VALDEZ. 833-4-VALDES. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back. Welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. We're going to continue with your phone calls. Uh, if anybody wants to disagree with me, you get to the front of the line because I love that. Um, thank you to Jerome for great conversation. I appreciate that. Jerome, you're welcome to call anytime. Matter of fact, Jerry, if I can call you that, I'm going to 
I'm going to welcome you to call anytime you'd like. And I'm um, just taking a look. I'm going to share with you um, this story. And again, I hadn't heard it. Um, one of our producers had heard about it, and he said he didn't think that there was much of a story here. But uh, I'll share it with you. <clears throat> Supreme Court uh, Justice Clarence Thomas has traveled abroad, a major Republican donor's super yacht and personal jet for more than 20 years, even vacationing at the billionaire's private resort without reporting the excursions on financial disclosure forms, according to a report. Now, again, I worked in the government. A financial disclosure is something that you make when you, uh, you know, somebody dies, you get inheritance, you have some money, so, something like that. The fact that I might have a friend that's wealthy and I go on vacation with who might share my political ideology is not something that my job necessarily needs to know about. Even if you're a judge, right? There's not a judge anywhere, not the judge that's on the Trump case, not any judge anywhere that's saying, hey, look, you know, I happen to vacation with these rich people because what happens is judges are held to a standard, all judges, let alone. Supreme Court justices. And if there is a conflict of interest, if this mega donor happens to, uh, you know, appear before the Supreme Court, then Mr. Thomas is going to say, you know what, I've, for 20 years I've been hanging out with this guy. We've been all over the place. He's got a big boat. We, we travel all the time. His wife and my wife are friends and it's whatever. So what do you think he's going to do? He's going to say, I have to recuse myself from this case. And that is the remedy to a situation like this. To, to, just voluntarily say that I'm going to uh, disclose what? That I went on a vacation with somebody? I have a rich friend? You know, if you have a friend with a Ferrari, are you going to put that on a financial disclosure form? Say the guy gave me a ride? This is the craziest thing I've heard. But anyway, uh, the uh, organization that I, uh, I mentioned, ProPublica, um, they, uh, on Thursday, today, earlier today, they said that these trips were uh, paid for by his friend, Harlan Crow. In 2019, Thomas and his wife, who's a conservative activist and has friends in her circles, flew to Indonesia on Crow's private jet with this gentleman and his wife, Kathy. This happens all the time. I know some rappers that are friends of mine and are acquaintances of mine, and they have friends and they go on private jets and they go on vacation together. And it's not a problem because they're rappers, but it's a problem for him because he's a judge. And I can understand people saying, well, you know, if there is a appearance of impropriety, then you have to step away. But what's the appearance? He's on vacation. It's like I said, he's not adjudicating some sort of case where this guy's involved. Anyway, ProPublica reports uh, that the trip was not mentioned by Thomas in required annual financial disclosures and could cost more than half a million dollars. Now, they're arguing that going on vacation with a friend who foots the bill and has a whatever, that this is considered a gift. I would say it's considered a gift if they give you a gift. If I call you and I say, hey, listen, uh, amigo, I'm going to pay for you and your wife to go to whatever and stay at my house in Bali or I'm going to get you a hotel or I'm going to do whatever. And, and this is a, a one-shot deal, right? I'm gonna, this is what I'm going to do for you. Um, that that's, could be presumed as a gift, and then you could say, oh, well, I went on this really expensive trip. But if this is your friend and you've been doing this for 20 years, I don't know that that's, that's something that you're going to – every vacation you go on, even if they foot the bill uh, for, for some part of it, the lodging part of it, the boating part of it, whatever it is, I don't know that that needs to be done, especially uh, if, if, if it's uh, a regular occurrence. I mean that's just my thinking. I wouldn't do that. You know, If my brother, let's say, or, or a close friend of mine that I grew up with, I wouldn't consider those things gifts. I would consider it a gift if it was somebody that didn't do it with regularly. And again, maybe I'm just, uh, that's my biased opinion. Uh, but 
Anyway, justices on the high court are required to uh, list gifts received when they file their annual financial disclosure report, including transportation that substitutes for commercial transportation. So understood. Uh, If you're uh, on a private jet because somebody owns a private jet and you normally would have taken a, a, you know, first class flight that you have to do that. So, all right, maybe there was something there. Maybe there's a there there on that part. But again, I don't see how this is anything other than um, a, a simple thing where it's not like this guy is with a court in front of the Supreme Court. So anyway, it goes on to talk about the, uh, the cost of accommodations uh, at $2,000 a night, et cetera, et cetera. You can take a look at it. I will tweet it out so you could read it and come up with your own opinion. Uh, to me, I think it's it's much ado about nothing. Uh, and in light of this article, I'm sure he's probably going to be listing lots of things and saying, oh, well, I have a rich friend here and I got a rich friend there. Uh, but ultimately, th- there's no violation of anything, right? Just because you don't put something on a financial disclosure um, because you didn't view it as a gift per se, uh, I don't think it makes you guilty of doing anything other than forgetting to put it on there. But if he were in New York, Alvin Bragg would have him uh, prosecuted for faulty or was falsifying business records. Anyway, let us uh, continue. Let's go to Alan. He's on Route 78 in New Jersey, listening on WEEU. Go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Hey, man. First time calling your program. Awesome, awesome program. And I just Thank want you. to say, because cause the other caller set the parameter of Hunter and Clarence, let me just point out a couple of things. You were talking about the high-end uh, art that's sold in Soho at the Gregorian uh, Gallery. But what's interesting about that same artist, who's also the son of a sitting president, is that at the same time, he's trying to lower his child support payments. Yeah, and so, deny that he has a kid with, with the girl from, uh, from Kentucky or Tennessee. DNA established, although... The virtuous president, remember when he was campaigning, he used to say, if you don't know how to speak and you need help with stuttering, I'll give you my number. Remember that whole scam he was running Biden? Well, Mm. he has a little granddaughter that he's never met, and he's shunning. And they're actually petitioned the court so that she can take the Biden name. So I know that that they look for I know that they look for all these arguments to make. In you know support of people, but this is all factual, and they've lied all the way through. I mean, Hunter literally said he never met the girl, he never had the baby. Then you know the DNA and the whole thing. So, but I just want to throw one thing at you, Rick, if I may. Sure. Right now, right now, when you look at the presidential field, it's clear that Trump is you know Ben Hur, right? But on the other side. The uh, hierarchy has Kamala, if Joe doesn't run, and Pete Buttigieg, according to the known tribal system that we've been using, you know, as who goes next, right? Yeah. But I was thinking the only actual person in the Democratic Party that could tell them to both sit down is Michelle Obama. I mean, if Michelle Obama sees that Trump has opened up a lead, which I believe he will now. Um, If she enters the race and she proclaims that her husband and her 
are going to run as a team. And in other words, uh, Barack will be the vice president and she would right. be the president. Oh, I see. How, how scary would that be? I don't think like, Barack can run for vice president. No, he I can. Think... Constitutionally, he can. Well, because no, because the vice president has to assume the presidency and uh, he wouldn't be able to assume the presidency because he's term limited or in the presidency. I think he'd only get a year. I think that's the, the maximum amount of, of time that a vice president in that situation could get. So he, he wouldn't be it. He'd have to settle for being the first gentleman. No, that's exactly right. So she would be the president and he would be the vice president. And under the you know worst case scenario, which nobody wants to see, that he would need to step into the role because the president. Right. But what I'm telling you is that 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 won't happen. It it. It, it's not a possibility for, for Obama because he served as president already. Even though on paper he could still do a year, I don't think anybody would put their stock in somebody that they know wouldn't be able to do it. So I don't think ultimately that happens. If Michelle Obama had any um, desire to run for president, she would. She would and she could probably win. But she doesn't want to. She's made it very clear. Uh, Trump proved that if you run for president, you lose money. A lot of money. He lost a billion dollars being president. This is exactly what would happen to them if they ran for president. And guess what? When people get into politics and they do things to get rich, the last thing they want to do is do things to become poor. <laughs> so uh, Obama, you know, talked about his rough upbringing in Hawaii and this and that and whatever. Uh, guess what? He's not coming back to politics that way. He loves being in the shadows. Uh, he has a famous quote. There's an audio clip. If we could ever get it, I'll, I'll play it for you. But uh, he basically says, you know, I would love to, to come back as president and, uh, uh, you know, operate through someone else in so many words. And I think he's doing that as best as he can right now with, with the Biden administration and all of the, his people that are within the administration since Biden is so easy to work with. And for Michelle, same thing. It's so much easier for her to not have to deal with the, the, the pressures of running a campaign and running the country when she can easily just set up some speeches, make the same kind of money, if not way better money, and write a couple of books. So I don't think that's going to happen. But I appreciate the call, Alan. Good to hear your voice. Big shout out to everybody listening in Jersey and in Philly area on WEEU. Uh, let us continue. Uh, right after this pause, 8334 Valdez. More from you straight ahead. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. We continue with your calls. So much to talk about, but so many people on hold, and I want to make sure I get to everybody or as many of you as I can. Let, and just so you know, we've got calls from Arizona, Montana, Michigan, Delaware, uh, Michigan again, Youngstown, Ohio. Let's uh, check in with our buddy Dar. He's on the road in Delaware, W-D-E-L. Dar, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Hi, how are you? Thanks, Thanks for having My me. My pleasure. Yes, sir. Go right ahead. Great. So uh, here I am driving, and um, I happened to get on your uh, on the channel here, and I was very pleasantly surprised that after listening to you for a few minutes, I couldn't actually tell 
um, whether this was a conservative talk show or just a regular, you know, middle down the middle of the road talk show. But that's because I think you have a very nice uh, way about you in terms of not getting too angry. But I'm I'm a little bit uh, confused about some of the back and forth that you had with the gentleman earlier. Make it quick. We're almost done. Sorry. You've got to be quicker because we're going to run out of time. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. Okay, sorry. So Hunter Biden, for example, I just don't think you're, you're being consistent because Hunter Biden's money could be going to take big trips around the world, right? So that money could definitely be being spent the same way that that money is being spent on Clarence Thomas. I don't know why. There's no issue with how he spends the money. It's how he's earning the money and where it comes from. Yeah, it's coming from, in, in the case of, it's all about influence. It's whether he's buying influence or not. And in one case, it's coming from a Republican donor. And in another case, it's from, coming from Democrats who are buying paintings. But the money gets spent the same way by the people. So it's well, again, I, I, don't, I don't have an issue with how people are spending money. I have an issue with how people are getting money, right? So, for example, Clarence Thomas, he can hit the lotto. He can be in real estate. He could do a million different things. I don't really care uh, what kind of money Clarence Thomas or his wife are getting or what type of gifts they're getting because, ultimately, he, he's a judge, right? He's a justice of the Supreme Court, and, and there's no vow of piety that one must take, nor is there one for Biden either. However, I think the big difference here is that there, he has no skin in the game with this person that his friend who's been his friend for 20 years. He's not coming before his court for any decision to be made. However, we do have Joe Biden uh, and his son that there's plenty of uh, innuendo to, to be generous here to say that, you know, there's money coming in from Ukraine. There's money coming in from uh, the mayor of Moscow. There's plenty of money coming in from China. We're having lots of issues with China. China, as late as today, was threatening the country, saying that, OK, we have um, we have uh, uh, an ultimatum. You can't meet with President Tsai from Taiwan. And if you do, there's going to be hell to pay. Right. In so many words. So when when you have a situation like that and then you have this son who has this compromised background and who is now selling artwork when he's not an artist. Look, I, I you know, some people listen to my show. I think we have about six and a half million listeners. If I decided to start selling art tomorrow, it wouldn't be illegal in any way. It wouldn't even be unethical. Maybe I can get some of our listeners to buy this art, but I don't know that I could get seventy five thousand dollars. Now, I'm not faulting him for selling it at a high price. But I am saying, you know, when Bill Clinton was giving speeches for uh, way higher than anybody else or any other former president, people said, why are you charging so much? Are you getting a, a kickback, a payment? And, and that's what I'm saying. You have to avoid the appearance of uh, impropriety. So if it appears uh, improper for Clarence Thomas to be vacationing with his friend of two decades, uh, then he should deal with that. Uh, I don't see the impropriety with it. But again, I, I'm biased. I like Clarence Thomas a lot. So um, I would leave it up to the, the ethics committee and whatever. And I'm pretty sure nothing's going to happen because ultimately there's no leverage there. Right. Whereas with Hunter Biden and his dad, the current president, and prior to that, the sitting vice president, when he was flying on Air Force Two going to China, 
there's plenty of appearance of impropriety when you add that with the videos from the laptop that wasn't his and then it was his and then the FBI knew but they didn't know but they oh they do know and the story that was buried and the story comes back to life none of those things happened with Clarence Thomas or anybody else so to to this notion of it's how they spend the money and to try and that I'm being duplicitous I just don't see it uh, dar I appreciate the call and your your thoughtfulness on this but it just doesn't pass muster for me Anyway, we will continue straight ahead. The producer says I have to pause here. We're coming right back, and we're going to wrap it up. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America. So we are wrapping up great conversation tonight with people with dissenting opinions. I love it. I always welcome those calls. I'm grateful for those calls. That's what makes this a late night live town hall forum the best programming, in my opinion, uh, between 10 o'clock at night and one o'clock in the morning uh, Eastern time live. If your station isn't carrying this live, you need to write them letters, send them emails and have everybody else do the same so that we can do this live. Because again, it's, it's a town hall forum. If you know, if you're hearing it on delay, I'm grateful to be on your station. Uh, but you can't call in and participate because you're on a delay. But either way, I love it when people who don't have the same views as me call in because that's when you have such a great dialogue. And I love it when people that do agree call in because we can uh, we can compare notes on things. The news of the day is important to discuss. And there's a lot of people on, on the line and I, I don't know, a minute and a half before I have to go. So I don't know if, if I could. Let's go to Arizona. Check in with Pat. Pat, you got like 80 seconds. Okay, how about George Soros and all of his attorney generals? Isn't everybody sick and tired of these guys yet? I tell you what, that case is falling apart right now, and I hope they indict the attorney general of New York for what he's doing because he's running for governor of the state. It's total political. Leave Donald Trump alone, period. Outstanding, Pat. I appreciate that, and thanks for listening online. Uh, to Rich Valdez, America at night.com from Sedona, Arizona. And I think you're right. You're talking about Alvin Bragg, the district attorney. A lot of people are speculating that he's going to run for governor. When Letitia James started coming after Trump, guess what? She launched a campaign for governor for about, I don't know, five minutes, literally, maybe three and a half days or something like that. And then she immediately turned around and said, nope, I'm not going to do it. Uh, she, she got, she, launched a thing against Cuomo. It was crazy and was able to get him out. And now he's trying to make a comeback. And uh, it's just bizarre to see what happens in New York politics. But we've got an amazing show for you tomorrow. I don't want you to miss it. And I'm looking forward again to a very robust open phone America with lots of different opinions. 8334-Valdez is our number. You can call us tomorrow night. Right now we're prepping to go. So take care. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time, good night and God bless. I am Rich Valdez, and we're going to do it all again tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in. The big-
Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.